Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mad Lit Musings with Jamie Jo Wright. And today, I have a very special lady with us. Her name is Kim Vogel Sawyer, and I don't think she knows this, but I devoured her books when I was simply reading and not writing myself. So she's always been a favorite author of mine, and she's with us today. Hi, Kim. Hi. How are you? to be here. It's, you know, I'm doing pretty good for a Monday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We'll see if we have... um, enough brain power to get us through this podcast and, and talk okay. about the deep things in life. <laughs> I've had my two cups of coffee, so I should be good to go. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. Well, we have you here with us for the first time on Mad Lit Musings. And um, tell us a little bit, in case readers aren't familiar with you, of what you write and just a little bit about your writing background. Well, I'm actually, my background is in education. But I was always writing, and God was gracious enough to allow me to write for for publication. It's just a real blessing. I write predominantly historical fiction. A lot of it is set in Kansas because I'm a Kansas girl through and through. Um, But I also have some contemporary Old Order Mennonite women's fiction. I have one young adult series out, and I have one nonfiction devotional as well. So historically probably more historical than anything else, but I do like to dabble in some of the other things as well. That's awesome. And you have a book releasing on September 6th, I believe. That's correct. Called Still My Forever, which is a great title, by the way. I have to tell you where that title came from. Please do. Um, the The hero of the story is a musician and he wrote a, a song for his beloved. And I wanted it and wanted words to be set with the music. And so my oldest daughter is quite the poet. And I said, would you write lyrics for this song? And she did. And they chose one of the little snippets from the lyrics as the title for the book. So um, oh, yeah, I, I love just think that. that's really fun. That yeah, it is really neat. And it's published by Waterbrook multinoma.com if anybody wants to look it up the publisher but waterbrook is the publisher and there is also which i love there's a reader's guide in it in the back so anybody who's book clubbing it this is a good book club pick because of that so that's awesome so you mentioned that the book was a little bit about um a, a composer and on the back of the cover i'm looking at it right now it says can a frustrated composer find new inspiration with the woman who once made his heart sing so that sounds right there. You got my attention. It's a little mushy, doesn't it? That's okay. Mushy is good. We need more mush in our life. So, <laughs> oh, fun. So tell us a little bit about like the time period that the book set in and just a little overview about the book. Okay. Well, it's set at the turn of the century in small town, Kansas, a little German founded community. I call this my, the music man meets Mr. Holland's opus story because it's a a young man who has these aspirations to write something that will make an impact in the music world and just can't seem to get her done. Um, And so he comes back from New York to this little town to kind of regroup. He hasn't done real well in New York. He's run out of money. He needs a place to kind of 
basically lick his wounds <laughs> and get some inspiration. And he ends up starting a youth band quite by default. I love that. And it's really fun because it was based on a real life happening about a young man that came to Kansas, Inman, Kansas, actually, in 1904 and started a band. Then the members were so young, it became um, very well known across the state. So it was based on a little historical nugget of truth. But of course, you always have to fictionalize everything and take the characters where they want to go instead of sticking to fact. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this one. I love that. And I love when stories are drawn from even snippets of history, <laughs> especially the obscure things like that. That's such a neat premise for a historical. And it's not been done before that I know well, of. Not that I know of. Yeah. Not that yeah. I know. So. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And one of the things that I noticed about the book, so you know, you know how I am here, like, let's talk story and now let's go deeper because that's <laughs> fun. But there's, you know, there were some things that resonated with me as I was looking at the book and kind of skimming through the story. Um, obviously I'm not going to skim it when I sit down and read it from page to page, but <laughs> um there's parts of the book that really touched me in the sense of I'm not really good at being content when I'm not where I want to be. Like when God throws me where I'm supposed to be, but it doesn't align with what I thought I was going to do. Contentment is not necessarily my middle first or last name. <laughs> Gee, I can't imagine there's anyone else in the world like that. <laughs> no, I know. It's, it's a very unique struggle. <laughs> I can say the apostle Paul did not have that struggle because he's, you know, his verse, which when I was a kid, actually, it, I, th I went to my mom and asked if the apostle Paul had an issue with pride because he said, I have learned to be content in all things. And I was like, that's a really proud and arrogant thing to say because nobody else does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was sitting in a prison cell when he actually wrote that, which I makes think it even so. more, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Boy. <laughs> I don't think I could ever be that good. <laughs> no, no, me either. So go Apostle Paul. So, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little, you know, I, as I was reading it and, and looking at it, um, contentment is obviously a big theme in the book and the concepts of not being where you thought or planned for your future. So tell me how you worked that in the book and why you went toward that theme. Well, you know, I look back at my own life and the plans that I made for myself and you know how sometimes you make your plans and then you trip over life and you go rolling head over heels down a hill. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the way my life was. But somehow the Lord met me in those places, guided me to where I needed to be. And that's kind of the case for these two characters as well. They made their plans. Um, Gil was going to be a famous musician. Ava was going to be his, his doting wife. And that plan just exploded and they ended up in opposite directions and neither one ended up with what they really wanted out of life but they both were doing really good things that was mm -hmm. the thing of it they were both doing good things they were both using the skills that god gave them but they still hadn't quite found their place of contentment mm. basically because they weren't where god truly wanted them to be and I think that's what I had to learn is I was not going to be 100% content until 
I settled where God wanted me to be, not doing the things that felt safe, not doing the things that felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes you just got to get out of your comfort zone. And that's where the the contentment is found because it really is found in the center of his will. Right. uh, Not in the center of our own will. What is that verse? I'm going to have to paraphrase. Um, God, man makes his plans, but Mm -hmm. the Lord, guides his steps or directs his steps Some, i can't i'm terrible about quoting scripture but yeah that one has always spoken really well to me because mm-hmm. i like i like my ducks in a row yeah I mean, yeah i'm giggling in the background so i want them all just sitting really still with no ruffled feathers or anything and life doesn't work that way doesn't and i'm giggling here while you're talking because my mom quoted that verse all the time uh-huh. except she paraphrased it and she'd be like man makes plans and then god changes them oh. <laughs> yep yep but you know he knows best i mean he's the one that created us so he knows what will fulfill us yeah so why why do we fight him so hard i don't know i think it's the human side of us well yeah and that's a good question because why do we fight him and i think sometimes too I've always struggled with the concept of God gives us the desires of our hearts. And yet so often he doesn't put us where we planned, which in my brain would be the desire of my heart. Mm -hmm. So I've always like, how do you reconcile that concept between what are the desires of your heart versus following the plan that God has for you? And I don't know if you've ever I have actually debated that with myself a lot as well. It was something that I, when I was teaching and loving teaching and getting sicker and sicker and sicker and couldn't teach Mm. anymore and was so frustrated. And that was one of the scriptures that I really meditated on. And I finally came to the conclusion that when I finally was able to say, okay, God, I don't know what your will is for me, but that's what I want for me. Just let me accept and and love and follow your will. When I started doing that, the desire of my heart just became to grow closer to him, to be more in his will. And I got the desire of my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think sometimes we maybe put a human slant on that verse then. Mm-hmm. With the desires of our heart, it's, it's not the Aladdin genie in the lamp. Three yeah, wishes. Yeah. <laughs> I often want that for other people. Right, right. <laughs> about this and make things all better for them. Right. But, yeah. but I know for my, myself as well, I grew closer to him through life conflicts mm-hmm. um, because I needed him more then. Right. So maybe that's a part of it as well. And the conflicts that your characters um, face, what, um, what was the difference between Gilbert's reaction to his dreams being thwarted and Ava? Did they have different emotional and and spiritual reactions to their situations well i don't think ava truly understood that she wasn't where she was supposed to be okay she just was so committed to her parents and the only surviving child with an ill mother and she felt like her place was in that home taking care of her mom and helping take care of her dad since her mom wasn't able to do a lot of the things it wasn't until gil came back and reignited those the affection that she'd initially had for him that any kind of discontentment started she felt like she was exactly where she needed to mm. be and so when her father let her know kindly but in a fatherly way sweetheart we love you but we don't need you here 
yeah. that you're, you're here because that's how you make yourself feel better by taking care of us. And I don't think she even really recognized that in herself until that conversation. Mm -hmm. But, and I think that's true for a lot of us, you know, we can get so caught up in doing good things, doing right things. There was nothing wrong with what she was doing. It just wasn't what God had meant for her. Right. Right. So let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'm going to pose the really tough question how do you know when you're not where God wants you to be? Are you a writer wanting to go deeper in your writing and get to the heart of your story? Join Christie Award-winning author Jamie Jo Wright at MadLitMentoring.com, where she will take you on an intimate, fun, and exploration of going deeper, the layers of your story, the four corners of foundation, and more. Find out how to be mentored by Jamie Jo Wright at MadLitMentoring.com. All right, we are back here at Madlet Musings with Kim Vogel Sawyer, and we are covering all the fun stuff about fiction and her new book, Still My Forever, which is coming out September 6th from Waterbrook. And we've been talking about the story, but we've also been talking about contentment and being in God's will. And I guess, you know, a lot of times we ask the question, how do I know what God's will is? But let's do a twist on that question. How do we know when we're not doing what God wants us, or how do we know when we're not where God wants us to be? Well, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, because <laughs> I'm just one person, but I can speak for myself. And I know from the time I was a little girl, I wanted to write. Mm. I was always creating little story worlds. I was always in, in illustrating them. I've kind of gotten away from that, but that was always who I was. I in my heart, I was a writer, but I let some rejections mm -hmm. trample me and I gave it up mm -hmm. and I threw myself into other things that were really good things. I, I was a teacher. I raised three wonderful daughters. I was a wife to a military man. Um, there were a, a number of things that I was roles that I played that were all very good roles. They were beneficial roles, but in the back of my heart there was always that little catch I don't I can't even sit really define what it was but when I would take the time to write um that's when I felt the closest to God mm. I I have a nephew who runs he's okay. uh, an award-winning and record-setting cross-country runner and he says when he runs is when he feels the closest to God and that's I guess I can relate to that because when I'm putting characters to life on a screen is when I feel the closest to my creator. Maybe it's the creative aspect of it. I don't really know, but I do know that when my health deteriorated and I could no longer teach and it was like, God was giving me this time to sit back down at that computer and write again, things changed. Um, the things didn't get easier. I've still had conflicts in, in family life and everything else that goes on. But that contentment at my core was there because I really believe I was doing what God called me to do. Mm -hmm. I think that that fulfillment in the center of our core, that's what we look for. Um, 
And when we're not fulfilled, there's just an edginess. I know when I, I take breaks from writing every now and then, sometimes I get tired. <laughs> Life happens. <laughs> right. right. Um, my mother passed away in November of 2018. That was a really, really rough time for our whole family. Sure. And went through a, a period of very deep mourning and depression. And it just I felt weird to care about story characters when the real life people in my world were just hurting mm -hmm. so badly. Mm -hmm. um, set that aside for a little while, but I tell you what, there was something inside of me that just kept pulling me back. And I, I, I added a lot of my mother's wisdom in this book that was really mm -hmm. fun. One of the conversations that Ava and her mom have was a conversation that my mom and I had. Um, her health was not real good. And I was supposed to go on a book tour in Kentucky. I was gonna be gone for 10 days. And I really battled with, should I actually do this? Should I go? Because mom, you're not, what if something would happen mm -hmm. while I'm away? And she said, well, what will happen if you're here? Mm. Would it be any different? Yeah. You know, you, you need to trust God with me and I'm gonna trust God with you and you go. You just mm -hmm. go. Well, Stinker did end up having a heart attack while I was away. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but it was it was a really good lesson in trust for me. Yeah, and she was just such a wise lady, and so it was really fun to yeah. put and meaningful for me mm -hmm. to put some of those nuggets of wisdom from my mom um, in the book and bestow them from her parents to Ava. That's wonderful. I love those personal touches in stories too when you can see a piece of the author's life woven into their fiction. Yeah. Um, and I think as authors, we tend to do that a lot, especially in Christian fiction, mm -hmm. because we want to draw out that faith story too, and those right. elements of what God has done and taught us. And, mm -hmm. and we're still learning. <laughs> right. Obviously, we're all works in progress. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, my mom passed away in 2021. So it was last year in June. So I, I relate to that and I relate to the nuggets of wisdom that comes from the mother. And so I love those types of characters and books now, especially, I think I noticed yes. them more. So I'm yeah. excited to read about her mom in here. <laughs> Great. So with, um, this story, what, you know, let's just have a fun story question to close out this what would you say is the most fun part of having written Still My Forever or the most oh, interesting? It has to be the funnest part of the whole thing is Timmy and his tuba. <laughs> Timmy and the tuba. I love it. Tuba. My dad's a tuba player. When my um, grandson, Jacob, was three years old. He said, when I grow up, I'm going to play a tuba like great grandpa. And he does. He plays in the marching band. He's the only tuba player in the marching band. But Timmy and his tuba, um, I knew that there would be a band involved, okay. but I had no idea that there would be a nine-year-old with a tuba that showed up. So that was that was a surprise for me because I'm seat of the pants. I don't plan. This oh stuff. yeah, right. <laughs> right, and even if you do plan, characters just yeah. decide they're going to show up. So and that little boy just he ended up stealing my heart, but he also ended up playing a major role mm. in Gil's life, and that's all I'm going to say because okay. I don't want any spoilers. Okay. Uh, I, hope, I hope readers will see how God brought that little boy into Gil's life for mm -hmm. a very specific purpose. Yeah. And yeah, it was for his good and God's glory. 
That's awesome. the way it always works, right? Isn't it though? Isn't it though? And you know, it's a good challenge for us as we close out this conversation too, to look for those things where God's steering us in a direction um, and those people he puts in our lives that can, you know, really make our, our lives take a different turn. So I'm excited to really dive into this. I've been skimming it this last, it arrived in my mailbox last week oh, wow. and um, I'm thoroughly entranced by it, but I'm on deadline myself. So I need, this is like my reward read, my yeah. reward read <laughs> you need to be writing either that, or I will send my editor an email and say, blame Kim Vogel Sawyer because <laughs> I didn't write today. I read her book instead. <laughs> Kim, if readers want to find out more about you and your books, et cetera, how can we find you online or social media? Well, I have a website, kimvogelsawyer.com. Really easy to find me there. And I'm pretty active on Facebook. I really enjoy talking with readers there. So just look for me under Kim Vogel Sawyer's um, comma author slash speaker. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. And um, yeah, readers, be sure to pick up Still My Forever um, by Waterbrook and you can get it on all your major book outlets. And we always say support your local bookstore first if you Absolutely. can do that. So yeah. that's awesome. Kim, thank you so much for being here. I loved your vulnerability and the chat. This was great. This was wonderful. Thanks so much. And you have a wonderful day. You too. And happy writing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.